0: everyone. Welcome to Suvi Church. Well, it's always nice to be here with all of you and to worship our God together. As usual, we're going to start the church service at the time of singing. Now, one thing I like to do sometimes is to remind us that when we sing, we are singing not just to God, but also to one another. Because when we do, the Lord is glorified and those around us get encouraged, and that's why we gather, and that's why we're here today. To help us do that, we will begin with this first song. It's a new song that we learned last week, and it's a song that we can sing to one another as a reminder that we share this faith in Jesus together, and it reminds us too why he ought to be worshipped. So let's stand. And let's sing this aloud.
1: There is one gospel on which I stand for
2: the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord,
1: praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds
3: among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy
4: of praise.
0: such a joy that we can praise you together today. Please help us see you in your greatness and in your holiness today, Lord, as we worship you. is preached and as we continue in our time of worship, I pray that you will be honored and I ask that your spirit will work in our hearts, that we would grow in our love and adoration of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please say hi to someone sitting around you before you have a seat.
5: Subi Youth Camp a few weeks ago now and we'd love to extend a special thank you to all of uh, the youth leaders and all of the volunteers who cooked for us, came out and served us um, and just made it such an awesome camp and a special thank you to Caden Smith who's here tonight who put this uh, together for us. Um, So Subi Youth is a ministry that runs every single Friday night during the school term uh, for students in years 7 to 12 um, and it starts at 7pm and ends at 9.15pm. So we kicked off our first la- at night last night here in the auditorium. All the chairs were moved and we had a massive Mario Kart track, um, so I'm glad to see it looks like it does now, ready for church. Uh, but Subi Youth is run with an emphasis on God's word and getting teenagers into scripture, as well as a way to form and foster fellowship with one another. So if you or your teenager would like to know more about this ministry, please indicate it on your Connect card or come and speak to someone wearing a red lanyard for more information. Um, we would love to see you there. Thank you.
4: There you go. Okay, I'll get to do a happy sad. Um, I'm here to thank... Annabelle and also to farewell her and Jordan would love to do it but we made sure he didn't come tonight because it's his wife's birthday and he needed to spend time with her so Annabelle was very gracious to come up and do the spotlight we thank you for it but Annabelle has been um, on staff for three years an intern for a year and then two years on staff um, part-time and working with Jordan in the youth, and um, she's been doing a great job. She's been a delight to have on staff, I'm told. I know that, but I haven't been on staff that long, so um, I know the staff has really appreciated her. She's just been a, a joy to be around, and um, you know she's just so teachable, and yet she's also willing to speak um, grace and truth into people's lives and does it so gently, and we're really grateful for that. She's really served in helping Jordan organise all the events, And, you know, this camp didn't happen without this young lady, Um, and we're grateful for that. And in all the people, particularly the young ladies in the youth that she's poured into, we're very grateful for that, and um, there will be kingdom rewards because of it. So I want to thank you, Annabelle. We love you very much, and we're sad to see her go. I'm going to get a bit teary thinking about that. Um, We are sad to see her go. She's been a great delight, and... um, I'm going to pray for her right now. Father God, we thank you that you are a great God, you are a loving God, and so much that you gave us a family. And thank you for Annabelle, who's been part of this family here at Subi Church. We thank you for her. We love her dearly. We thank you for how you've worked in her life and how you've worked out from her life into the lives of others. And you've given kingdom fruit because of it. Father, we... We thank you for the delight that she is to us, the joy that she is to us. And it's with sadness that we say farewell as she moves on to her next season uh, up to Geraldton for her um, her prac up there. We pray, Lord, that you would bless her. Lord, we thank you for the people in Geraldton that whatever church she becomes a part of, I know she'll be a blessing to them. We pray, Lord, that her next season will be even more fruitful for the kingdom of God. Would you care for her in the times of uh, loneliness, Lord? Would you be comfort to her? Would you give her good friends over there? And, And again, fruitful ministry for the praise and glory of your great name. Amen.
3: What a wonderful thing to see our youth ministry has blossomed. And thank you very much, Annabelle. It is scripture time. We do have a very short scripture, so before the kids goes away, let's do the scripture. Do you remember the verse? It's First Peter chapter one, verse fifteen to sixteen. We're going to say it together. Yeah, one, two, three. But just as he who called you is holy, be so be holy in all you do. For it is written, "Be holy." because I am holy." Thank you everyone. So children, you may now proceed to your children's program. Hi, my name is Sean. I'm one of the elders in Subi Church. Um, I have to be very aware of my voice and not to move my mic too much. Um, We thank you for coming today. If you're new here and you have not met anyone or you want to know a bit more about Subi Church, Please do don't go away after the service, someone like me will be outside or um, the welcome team, connect team will be also there with the red lanyard. We do have connect cards. The connect cards look something like this on your chair. If you do fill up one of these forms, you can put in all the details you have in there, your prayer request, your, you know, your prayer answered, um, you can let us know too. Um, also, that there are a lot of programs coming up, so you can actually indicate your willingness to join those programs. Also, also, on this, in front of the chair, uh, b- before you, you should have a QR code. You can scan that too and do it electronically. It is time coming to for offering. Um, this is what we do in Subi. We have changed the way of doing it a bit. Now we are doing it in electronically. You can still um, well. Electronically, if you want to do it, there is the green uh, piece of paper at the back in the cubby hole there. Just grab this. This will give you an instruction on how do you actually set it up. But if you do want to still um, do it physically, there is an um, offering box at the back. There's also envelopes there that you can actually collect one of the envelopes and just drop your offering there. Okay. So let us pray for the offering. Father Lord, we thank you for your wonderful gift to us. As we walk each day on this earth, Lord, we reminded reminded that everything that you created is good. You have blessed us and our family and the people around us. Lord, we ask that you continue doing that as an appreciation of your kindness to us and your grace. Lord, take our offering. Take it to extend the work of your kingdom so that we can actually save and preach to more people. Lord, we thank you and we pray all this in your son's Jesus name. Amen. We do have a few announcements coming up. Um, the hour prayer is coming up on this Wednesday. at between seven and eight o'clock. You can do it um, let me just check properly here before then we say it again. You can pray as a church. If you prefer to join us online, we can also send out the link to you, and you can just log on and pray at home in your comfort. We do have a community coffee morning coming up on Saturday, the 18th of February, which is this coming Saturday morning between 10 a.m. and 12 noon. Just at a cafe here. It's a ministry to outreach to the community here around here. I don't know whether you have been here on Saturday morning. The Suvi farmers' market is open, and there's a lot of people walking around. Sometimes they just keep on looking into the church and see what's going on inside. Um, It's a great opportunity to invite those people in and have a cup of coffee and just share the morning with them. Nourish is starting up again. It will be a five session starting from 2nd of March to 30th of March between 6.30pm to 8.30pm in the church cafe too. Nourish is a ministry where people from all street services get together, come together to learn, not just to have a spiritual uh, intake, but we do have a physical meal too. We share a meal together, we discuss things, we talk about things, and we learn things too. And Pastor Chin and our Connect ministry director, Tracy Johnson, will be teaching. This session will be talking about Exodus, in a series of Exodus. We will discover God's goodness and faithfulness as he rescued his people out of slavery in Egypt. through the salvation. Through this salvation, God shows a pattern for our great salvation in Christ and the dinner would be $10 per session. We, my wife and myself, we came to one of the sessions uh, last year. It was a great session. We can spend the time talking to p- different people and share that evening. Some of the people we have not seen from because of other services too. So if you do want to come, just on your Connect card or on your e- um, QR code, just put it down there you're interested. Someone will be making contact with you. We do have a pattern now, I'm not sure whether you recognize, we do have a congregational prayer uh, just before the, uh, the preaching. So it's a time now that we're going to pray together as a church. Let us pray. Our oh, Father in heaven, we humbly come before you and acknowledge that you are the Lord Almighty. You are sovereign and in control of all things. You are holy and we are known. Yet we have drawn near to us, or you have drawn near to us through Jesus Christ by his, your spirit. Even though we are sinful beings, you have loved us and gave us your Son. We confess our sins before you, Lord. We have not obeyed you as you have called us to. We have not worshiped you as you, we should, in our daily lives. But yet in Christ, you have forgiven us. In your goodness, grace. And mercy, you have adopted us into your family through the death and resurrection of Christ. We are thankful for all that you have done for us. We acknowledge that we are blessed beyond measure. We pray for the concern of the world right now. We pray for those people who have been affected by the earthquake in Turkey. We grieve to hear so many lives have been lost. And we pray for the mercy and grace to be upon these people there. We pray for those who have lost loved ones, that you will comfort them and be with them, draw near to them. We pray that they will turn their eyes to Christ and draw hope, strength from him. We pray for the good response to the crisis and for the aid to be sent to everyone who needs. We pray for all the churches in Perth that are meeting this weekend. We pray for those churches continue to be God's light in our nation. May they be faithful witness to Christ and faithful to the word of Scripture. May our brothers and sisters in Christ be blessed this weekend as they hear from your word today. We pray for ourselves today, we thank you for another weekend that we have come together to sing praises and hear from you. May may your spirit work in us to prepare our hearts to receive your word. Please give us the rich abundance of your grace today and fill our minds with your truth. May we be changed to so we can be more like Christ, to love you deeper, to follow you closer, and to cherish you greater. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
6: Good evening, church. This week's Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. Uh, If you're able to, uh, we invite you to stand as we honour God's word together. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand Through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, regarding his Son, who, as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David, and who, through the Spirit of Holiness, was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times, and I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong, that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, ...but have been prevented from doing so until now... ...in order that I might have a harvest among you... ...just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks... ...both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel... ...also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel... ...because it is the power of God... ...that brings salvation to everyone who believes... first to the Jew... Than to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith.
2: Please be seated. Great to see everyone tonight. I'd just like to draw your attention to the screen. There's a little uh, video that I'd like to show that will just set the scene, set the context for tonight's talk
5: while my time in america isn't directly relevant i think it gives me an extra layer of experience to draw on absolutely that's very impressive i hope i'm not blowing my own trumpet too much here
2: if i had a trumpet this good i'd be blowing it non-stop look i think we're done here so i mean obviously i can't say anything official right now but you should expect a phone call
5: thank you I just find it so difficult to boast on my CV. It's just that, as a Christian, I... Oh. What? You're a... Christian. Yeah, Okay. Uh, Is that a... No, not at all. You don't seem to mention it anywhere here. Well, why would I? No, fair point. I'm not planning to run your polymer factory along biblical lines. (laughs) Oh, no. Could you just give me a second,
2: please? (laughs) Denise, may I borrow you for a second? I'm just interviewing Patricia Hughes here.
5: Oh, Patricia. How wonderful to meet you. Do you know, we're all so excited that you've applied for this role. It's really very flattering when somebody of your count... Oh. Yeah. OK. There's a problem with me being a Christian, isn't there? Absolutely not, legally speaking. But you <laughs> both seem uncomfortable for some reason. Uh, do you think that it makes me untrustworthy? No. <laughs> incompetent? Mm-mm. A bit weird. I see. Well, in that case, I'll just withdraw my application. Oh, now. It's funny, isn't it? It's been perfectly normal to be a Christian in this country for the last 1,500 years or so. But now, well...
3: Really sorry about
5: this. It's fine. I forgive you. (laughs) Lucky escape. Yeah, what a nutter. (laughs)
2: Now, that that comedy sketch was spot on, wasn't it? Uh, Increasingly in our society, uh, Christians are thought of as weird. Uh, Even the bad guys. And as a result, we are tempted to be ashamed to identify ourselves as Christians. She wasn't, but... We can be. Uh, Have you ever been in that situation where you have been ashamed to identify yourself as a Christian? Let me tell you uh, an occasion when that happened to me. Back at university, I was part of the university football club, that's me, age 19. Uh, The university football club was not an easy environment to be a Christian. Uh, These guys were party animals right they drank more beer than water Uh, if you looked up party hard in the dictionary you'd see a picture of this team Uh, their favorite swear word was jesus christ and they used it a lot and the only uh, the only exposure that they had to christian things was the chapels that they were forced to go to at school where the chaplain never opened the bible and to uh, and the exposure to Jesus in the Jesus movies that we watched during religious education because that's what we did. And and the Jesus that you saw in these Jesus movies, Jesus pretty much looked like Jesus pretty much looked like a miss universe contestant, right? Wearing a dress sash around the waist, matching sandals, soft skin, looked like the kind of guy who would get sand kicked in his face down the beach, then run home and cry to mum. Now the guys in my football team were not interested in a guy that their mum could beat up. Now I was the only Christian in the footy club uh, and it was a difficult environment to be a Christian. The cartoonist for the West Australian, he did a cartoon of each of our players in our team. And this is a picture of me. Uh, Don't worry about the moustache, that's another story. But this is how the team thought of me, dog collar and halo, because I was a Christian. They thought I was a bit of a prude, uh, I'd save myself for my wife, all that kind of stuff. Now, one of the annual events at the club, what was was called the Triple P Night, uh, where they would get blind drunk, they would eat pies, and they would have sinful entertainment, not a classy night. But there was a lot of peer pressure to go to these social events, because if you wanted to be part of the team, you had to do what the team did, right? My teammates asked me, are you going to the Triple P night? I said, no, I'm not going. They said, why? Now, here was my opportunity. Here was my opportunity to stand up for Christ, right? To say, the only Triple P night that Jesus wants me to go to is a prayer, praise, and preaching night, right? Right? But I didn't take that opportunity. What I said was, I can't go because it's my grandma's birthday dinner or something lame like that, right? At that moment, I was ashamed to identify myself as a Christian. But not the Apostle Paul. Not the Apostle Paul. We've just heard the Apostle Paul says... I am not ashamed of the gospel. No way. I am not ashamed of it. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. What did Paul grasp about the gospel that I didn't? We're going to have a look at that this evening. Now, we're in a series in Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, which has been described as the most important letter ever written. And it comes with a warning. If you take this letter seriously, it will irreversibly change the way you think about life. This letter... Has irreversibly changed the lives of some of our greatest leaders in Christian history. Augustine, this is really annoying, Martin Luther, John Calvin. and skirt- no, I'm sorry, I don't know why that... There's something wrong with this. I'm talking about some of the great Christian leaders. Uh, I don't know how they got in there. I'll have to fix that for tomorrow. Now, Martin Luther said this. Martin Luther said this. This epistle is really the chief part of the New Testament and the very purest gospel and is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word by heart, but occupy himself with it every day, as the daily bread of the soul. It can never be read or pondered too much, and the more it is dealt with, the more precious it becomes, and the better it tastes." That's the letter that we are in. So hold on to your seats. Come along for the ride in, this, uh, in our studies on the letter to the Romans, and it will have a lasting impact on you. So quick recap from last week. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, uh, is actually the word is slave, he considers himself a slave, called to be an apostle, one who is sent, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, the word gospel in the first century was not a religious word. It was a word, as we learned last week, that means momentous news, news that affected the life of every person. In ancient times, when important events occurred in the empire, like a new Caesar coming to power, or the army had won a great victory, then the momentous news, the gospel, would be sent to the ends of the empire because it affected the lives of every citizen of the empire. Now, in the first century, of course, they didn't have electronic media where you could just send it out and everyone would know automatically, you would have to send people out by foot or by uh, horseback to the ends of the empire so that everyone in the empire would know. Now, Paul says, he is travelling around the globe telling the world the gospel, the biggest news that has ever happened and that affects the life of every person on the planet and, on, and for every person who will ever live on the planet. What is the momentous news? The kingdom of God has arrived. Jesus is the promised king who will rule forever, demonstrated by his resurrection, because only a king who has defeated death can rule forever. And God has opened his kingdom to sinners like you and me. That is the momentous news. And the gospel is an announcement with an inbuilt summons. You see, if Jesus is the king who reigns forever, then you need to shift your allegiance to him. And you need to live very differently from how you were living before you knew that Jesus was king of kings. That's what Paul means when he says that his aim is to bring about the obedience of faith. He's saying that responding to the gospel in faith is an act of obedience to God. Later in the letter, in chapter 10, he says that unbelievers are those who do not obey the gospel. Not believing the gospel is an act of disobedience to God. He says in verse 14, this is from the ESV, I am under obligation both to Greeks and the word is barbarians. The NIV says non Greeks. The word is barbarians. Barbarian was a word of mockery, which was used by the cultured Greeks to describe the, the, the way that uncouth foreigners sounded to their ears, right? They would talk and the Greeks would say, I can't understand you. Ba 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 ba. What are you saying? And so they were called barbarians. So Paul is saying, I'm under obligation to the cultured, to the non-cultured, to the wise, to the foolish. I'm under obligation to everyone on the planet to tell them the gospel. Now, under obligation refers to a debtor's relationship to their creditor, right? When you if you Uh, owe someone a lot of money, if you're severely in debt, then your life no longer really belongs to you, you, does it? It belongs to your creditor. You can't spend money however you want to spend it. The creditor has first and final say in how you spend your money. So Paul thought of himself as a debtor to those who had not heard about Jesus. But why did he owe them? because he knew that he was no more deserving of salvation than they were. And this placed him under obligation to King Jesus. Paul had a bright future. He had a great education. He had great connections. He was on the way up. But his future no longer belonged to him. Every spare resource of his, every... uh, ounce of energy, every moment of time, belonged to his creditor, Jesus Christ, King Jesus. And every person who has received the gospel is under this same debt of obligation. Uh, A pastor in the States, David Platt, he says this, Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. It's a powerful statement. We are under obligation. But even though we know we ought to preach the gospel, the fear of shame can make us less than eager to do it, right? And without doubt, Paul knew the temptation of holding back from preaching the gospel. Paul found in his travels, he went all around the world, he found in his travels... That the news of King Jesus crucified was considered by the eyes of the world to be weak, to be offensive, to be foolish, to be contemptible, to be pitiable. Are you saying that I need to give my life to a guy who died pathetically on a cross? No thanks. No, we're telling you you've got to give your life to a guy who died on the cross and then rose again. The gospel is offensive to people. and You would have, met, you would have, under, you would have uh, experienced that in your life. The gospel is offensive to people because it says you have a great need that you cannot meet yourself. People don't like to hear that. The gospel is offensive to moral and religious people who think, well, I'm living a good life. I don't need a saviour. But the gospel says, we are so wicked that only the death of the Son of God could save us. The gospel offends those who think they can find their own way to God, like an Oprah Winfrey type religion. You can just find your way to God any way you want. But the gospel says, you've got to find your way to God through Jesus Christ. The gospel is offensive to those who are obsessed with self-worship. The gospel says, every person must worship King Jesus first. And preaching the gospel had been a real source of suffering for Paul. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says that he received five times 40 lashes minus one. I'm not sure how, why they described it that way. They could have just said 39. But the way they say it is 40 lashes minus one. Now, just imagine getting the 40 lashes minus one. How much pain you would go through. He, did, he got it just because he spoke the gospel. So you imagine getting 39 lashes and then thinking, well, if I'm just quiet, I won't get whipped again. It'd be real temptation. But he doesn't shut up about Jesus and he gets 39 lashes again. And he gets it five times. He's beaten with rods three times. He's pelted with stones he is shipwrecked three times. He spends a night in the open sea. He's bitten by a poisonous snake. He's uh, imprisoned. And then ultimately, he's executed. And tradition tells us that he is beheaded in Rome. But Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed. I couldn't stand up and say why I didn't want to go to the triple P night, but yet he goes through all that. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Now, the word Paul uses for power here, it's a Greek word, and the word is dunamis. Can anyone think of an English word that uh, might use this word as a root to mean something powerful? dynamite well done it is dynamite now did Paul have in mind dynamite when he wrote this letter no because dynamite hadn't yet been invented but there's a reason why the inventors of dynamite used dunamis as their root word because dunamis means power the gospel is powerful like dynamite is powerful But while dynamite powerfully blows things up and and destroys things, the gospel saves. In verse 18, Paul says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. The gospel is powerful to save us from that wrath. The gospel is so powerful, it saves people who cannot save themselves. It's the only thing that can free people from their sin, from their junk. It's the only people that can bring people from death to life. We've seen that tragic earthquake in the last week. There's death. But the gospel can bring people from death to life if they hear the gospel. Before they take their last breath, they will never die. They will live with God forever. Every person that God rescues, he rescues by the gospel. No one is rescued in any other way except through the gospel. Now, God used these verses here to convert one of the greatest leaders in Christian history. Now, look, again, I'm really sorry. It's twice in the... No, Mark... Yeah, Martin Luther, I'm sorry. One of the greatest leaders in Christian history, Martin Luther. Uh, Luther was a guy who changed Christianity forever during the Reformation in 1517. Now, we did a series of sermons on this in 2017 to, to commemorate the 500th anniversary. And so if you don't know about the Reformation, why don't you look those sermons up? It's a really important part of your history, your heritage. But Martin Luther began his career by studying law... Uh, But his soul was troubled because uh, he knew that one day he would face God in judgment. So he left university and he entered theological college to try and sort out his soul. And in his studies, he came across chapter 1, verse 17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, the righteousness of God can refer to God's standard of righteousness that he demands of every person and that which no one can meet. And Luther hated that phrase because he'd been taught by the academics of the day that that's what it meant in this context, that the gospel reveals God's righteous standards which we can't meet. It terrified him because he knew that he was an unrighteous sinner who fell far short of God's standards and that one day he'd be punished. And this is is what he said. He said, I did not love God. No, I hated God. Luther tried to satisfy God's demands. He tried to satisfy God's demands for righteousness by, by doing what Catholics call penance, which is not... Uh, in the scriptures but it, it's doing things to try and work off your sins and so what he did is he whipped himself until he bled he would lie down in uh, the snow in the dead of winter in germany until he would get in such a state of hypothermia that his colleagues had to carry him out before he died but luther found no peace he could not be sure that he was right with god that might be like you here today. You're not sure whether you're right with God, you don't have peace. But this is what Luther said. He said, "I meditated night and day on those words until at last by the mercy of God I understood it. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, he who is righteous" by faith shall live. I began to understand that this verse is not talking about the righteousness that God demands, but the righteousness that he freely gives to those who believe the gospel. I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. The whole of scripture took on a new meaning, and whereas before the righteousness of God had filled me with hate, now it became to me inexpressibly sweet In greater love, this passage of Paul became to me a gate of heaven, and so started the Reformation. Before he had only unrest and uncertainty, but now his conscience was at rest. Now he was certain of his salvation. That is the power of the gospel. God's kingdom has arrived, and God opens up the kingdom to sinners like you and me. And the righteousness that He demands from us, He gives to us. And the gospel's been powerfully working throughout history, and it's powerfully working in our world right now, today. Uh, I'll tell you a great story there's a maximum security prison in South Africa. uh, Where inmates are on death row. And there's an inmate called Joe. And Joe, he's as hard as they come. Uh, He's in for murder. And he shows no remorse. There's a chaplain that goes to the prison. His name is Willie Dengler. And Willie goes past Joe's cell on his rounds. He says, Joe, my name's Willie. I'm the chaplain. Uh, I've got a Bible for you. <clears throat> uh, okay, I'll look. I'll just leave it here, and why don't you have a read for it, and uh, I'll come back this time next week. Just see how you went. <clears throat> so Willie goes back. He prays for Joe every day, and he comes back same time next week. And he's surprised when he gets there that Joe is sitting in his on his bed waiting for him. He says, Joe, how'd you go with the Bible? Joe lifts up his Bible and it's torn to shreds from first three quarters of it, completely torn to shreds. He says, Joe, what happened to your Bible? Joe says, I smoked it. Willie said, what? He said, yeah, I smoked it. I didn't have any paper for cigarettes, so I smoked the pages of the Bible. He said, I started at the beginning, and I smoked all the way until I got to the gospel. And then it smoked me. Willie said, what? He said, yeah, I believed on the spot. He said, something's happened to me. My bitterness has gone. My hatred has gone. I'm a new man. Now, Willie couldn't believe his ears. Now, he should have, because he knew the gospel was the power of God, but he saw it right there, working right in front of him. Now, Joe was executed sometime later. No longer was he the brute, the hardened brute that he once was, but now he was a smiling, radiant man that was looking forward to being with his Savior for all eternity. See, that is the power of the gospel. The next time you have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone, just remember, you don't have to be the best communicator on the planet. You don't have to be uh, sound impressive. Just announce the gospel. Let it do its work. It is powerful. Now, some, some preachers don't believe the gospel is powerful, and so they try and give the gospel some help. And they sugarcoat the gospel because they think that way it will be more attractive to people. A well-known American preacher gave some advice to an Australian church. He said this, "Uh, Don't tell people about the cross. It doesn't work. Just tell them that God loves them and has a plan for them. Promise them prosperity. Provide them with self-esteem. Then you'll fill the pews. What do you think of that? That wouldn't have helped Joe in prison, right? Oh, God's got a plan for my life, that's fantastic. What is that exactly? I'm just about to get executed. Now, God is love is a beautiful Christian truth. But God loves you and has a plan for your life is not the gospel and it will not save. The gospel is that God's kingdom has arrived, Jesus is the king, he's opening up that kingdom For to sinners like you and me, everyone is headed to hell without Jesus. But Jesus tasted hell on the cross. And it's in the true gospel that we see Jesus to be far more loving than any sugar-coated gospel. Paul says, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Uh, Paul has not yet been to the church in Rome, as we learnt last week, but its reputation has reached him. Now, you would expect that Christians who have such a faith that their reputation has gone around the world, you think they would understand the gospel, right? So why does Paul write a 16-chapter letter to a church whose faith is so strong that its reputation has gone across the world? Because you never, ever, ever, ever outgrow your need for the gospel. Never. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And salvation is not just conversion. Salvation in the Bible is an umbrella term, meaning salvation of the whole of the Christian life. So the gospel brings us to conversion, and then it takes us, through trials, through temptations, through judgment, through, through uh, persecution, through death, into the presence of God. That's what the gospel does. The gospel makes us Christian, it matures us as Christian, it keeps us Christian. It is the medicine that God has prescribed for us to take every day. And that's why Paul says... I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Rome was at the centre of the most powerful empire on the planet, right? You know your history. So the church in Rome is in a position of great influence, and therefore it was vital that its members be well grounded, accurately grounded in the gospel. And it's only as we here at Subi Church are fully and accurately grounded in the gospel. It's only as we again and again grasp the scope and the wonder of the gospel that we will grow as Christians and that we will be fruitful. Let me finish by explaining it this way. Take a look at this slide. It looks like mass. It's not mass. okay? So don't worry. It's not mass. I just find this really helpful. Let me try and explain it. So when we're converted... We put our trust in Jesus, who has done what you and I can never do, and that is to bridge the gap between God's holiness and our sinfulness. And Christ bridges that gap through the cross. At our conversion, we don't fully appreciate the height of God's holiness or the depth of our sinfulness, And so the cross at our conversion begins small, right? Uh, In our estimation, the cross is small. But as we grasp the gospel, our awareness of God's holiness grows and our awareness of our sinfulness deepens. Now, God is not getting holier and holier and we're not getting more sinful, but it's our awareness of it that grows as we understand the gospel. And the result of that is that our love for Christ grows and grows as we understand what that cross has achieved. Because we realise that the cross, we realise as, as our awareness of God's holiness grows and our awareness of our sinfulness grows, the cross has to get bigger to fill that gap. The cross becomes looms larger and it becomes more central in our lives and we grow as christians we become more mature also when we don't have a growing understanding of the gospel see christianity without a growing understanding when we don't grow in our understanding of the gospel the cross remains small and it doesn't get any bigger And we try then and fill the gap which the cross fills, we try and fill it with other things. right? So we fill it with our performance. We say, so for example, religion. We say, well, if I just do these religious rituals, then God will be pleased with me. Moralism, if I just live a moral life, God will be pleased with me. Self-justification, here are the good things I've done. I'm okay with God. Legalism, if I just keep God's laws and you do it as well, well then we'll be okay with God. Pride, well I'm doing pretty well, I'm better than that guy, I'm not as bad as that guy. And so we try and fill the gap which the cross fills. And not having a growing understanding of Christ's work on the cross can lead us to buckle under the weight of our own sin, because if the cross is not filling that gap, then we buckle under the weight of our own sinfulness. It can result in guilt, fear, shame, insecurity, despair. And that's why it's vital that we're fully and we are accurately grounded in the gospel and that we again and again grasp the wonder and the scope of the gospel. And that's why, verse 9, Paul says... I'm done with that. Um, Can you go to the next slide, please? God, whom I serve in my spirit, in preaching the gospel of his Son. The human spirit is the deepest part, the deepest aspect of a person, is your spirit. It's actually, we get to Romans 8... Paul tells us it's the aspect of us which relates directly to God. Our spirit cries out to God's spirit. It's the deepest dimension of a person. It's what separates us from the other animals. It's not actually a soul, our soul, it's our spirit that makes us distinctive. And it's the deepest dimension of Paul's person is engaged in the service of the gospel because he knows the gospel is the power of God. How about you? Will you give the deepest dimension of your person to serving the gospel? And what will that look like in your life? What will that look like in 2023? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, your word, your gospel, which is so powerful. I pray, Lord, for those who are here this evening. If you're here this evening and you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus, you're not confident that your sins are paid for by the Lord Jesus, then can I offer you right now an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus? Jesus, who has paid for your sins on the cross. The gospel is powerful. If you believe in this gospel, trust in Jesus and you submit to Jesus the King, then your sins are forgiven and you are saved. I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to do that right now. You might want to pray in the quietness of your own heart. Dear God, I understand that I fall short of your righteous requirements. I'm sorry. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I submit to him as my king. I choose to live for him from this day on. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, I just want to please let us know on your Connect card. Please come and see me. See one of the leaders. We'd love to help you in the next phase of your life. For those of us who are here tonight who already are Christian, Paul has told us it is so vital... That we are fully and accurately grounded in the gospel, that we again and again grasp the wonder and the scope of the gospel. Are you doing that? Are you searching the scriptures? Are you being disciplined in trying to ground yourself in the gospel? We need that, otherwise we will not be fruitful. We will not grow as Christians. So I pray for each person here tonight, Lord, that we might grow in the gospel, that this church might grow in its grounding in the gospel, that we might again and again grasp the wonder and scope of the gospel. And as we do that as a church, we would see the power of the gospel work amongst us individually and as a church in our community. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come now to a time of communion. This is a visual representation of the gospel. The righteousness that God demands from us, he gives to us. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you are a Christian then please come and take from the Lord's table if you're not yet a believer then please stay in your seat no one will think anything less of you but we would like you to uh, find out more Uh, please come and see one of us afterwards but I'll ask the first few rows to come and take a cup and drink uh, and the bread and we'll eat and drink together in a few moments righteousness that God demands from us, he gives to us on the cross. Jesus tasted hell for us on the cross. Let us drink and be thankful.
0: Together
1: by faith we see. The gospel shall prevail.
2: get halfway through the week and you think what was that sermon about on the weekend? This is what it's about. So I want us to read these verses together. This is what this talk was about. Let's say it together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew then to the Gentiles. Father I pray that you'd bless each one of us pray that we'd have confidence in the gospel we wouldn't water it down we wouldn't sugarcoat it and i pray that each one of us would uh, discipline ourselves to work hard at understanding the gospel more and more so that we would live mature and fruitful christian lives and i pray this in jesus name amen